Hello and welcome to another episode of the Investors Chronicle Extraction podcast in which we speak to executives of some of the most interesting London listed resources companies. I'm Alex Newman, a writer at the Investors Chronicle and today I'm joined by Matthias Rigas, Chief Executive of East Mediterranean Focused Energy and Oil and Gas, which completed the sector's largest IPO in nearly four years when it listed in March. The company raised $460 million in fresh equity, promptly signed a $1.3 billion debt facility and gave the green light to the massive Karish gas project offshore Israel. Matthias, many thanks for joining me this morning. It's been a very busy year and, and much has changed. So could I just start by asking you to bring us and listeners who may not be familiar with energy and up to speed on the company's current operations and major plans? Uh, yes, thank you. Um, it's been indeed a very busy year and a year that uh, was a transformational year for Energy and a company that uh, I started uh, about 10 years ago with the acquisition of the only producing asset in Greece. Uh, and AGM has uh, oil production offshore in Greece in a field called Prinos, a field that's been in production for a long time. We took it over in 2007 and rejuvenated the field, brought it back to life. Uh, when we took it over in 2007, the uh, asset had only 2 million barrels of 2P reserves and 800 barrel production. And uh, coming fast forward to where we are today, the Prinos field is uh, producing close to 4,000 barrels a day. That was the exit production for last year. It has uh, more than 40 million barrels of uh, reserves and uh, uh, another 20 million barrels of contingent resources. It's sitting on uh, infrastructure that can produce up to 30,000 barrels a day, and it still remains the only producing uh, hydrocarbon asset of the country. Uh, it was an asset that uh, we started with. Then we expanded into Western Greece, where we took over uh, three blocks when the Greek government did an international bid round, then expanded onto Montenegro and the East Adriatic. So we are exploring the East Adriatic and Western Greece in partnership with Repsol in Western Greece. And last but obviously not least, uh, we um, got the Karish and Tanin assets in Israel when the Israeli government decided that they wanted to break the monopoly that had been created by Noble and Delic, who were the only producers of uh, gas in the country. And uh, we participated in a competitive uh, bid. We won a number of different companies that were bidding for the assets and took over the asset in December of 2016. That was when we got the approval from the Israeli government. Since then, we submitted a development plan to the government, which was approved to develop the Karish and Tanin fields with the use of a floating production storage and offloading vessel, an FPSO. Uh, we submitted a plan in May of 2017. It was approved in uh, record time in two months. Uh, by the end of uh, July, we had everything approved. We signed gas sales agreements with the leading power producers and industrial companies in Israel uh, for a total of about 4.2 BCM a year for 15 years. So we removed completely the commercial risk on the project, raised, as you said correctly, $1.3 billion of project financing, and completed the project with the IPO that we did in March and raised $460 million, following which immediately we took the final investment decision for the project. In a yeah. nutshell, Energian is a company that is producing oil in Greece, exploring in uh, Western Greece and the Adriatic with Repsol, and uh, developing a $1.7 billion project in Israel, which is a fully de-risked project um, through the gas sales agreements and the contract with Technique. What was it about your, your business 
which which made you a good match with uh, investors here. Was it was it primarily the the Israeli assets which uh, you, you managed to sign the deal for? Well, we are a we're an East Med uh, focused company, and uh, we focus on the East Med because we understand the rocks and we understand very well also the geopolitics and how to do business in those this part of the world. So raising close to half a billion dollars is a massive challenge. And uh, as you rightly said in your introduction, there hasn't been an IPO in the London market for many years. So it was uh, not an easy task to raise this amount of money in the market. Uh, London is a natural fit for us. London investors, London-based investors or investors that invest through the London Stock Exchange understand a lot better this part of the world. Uh, The other alternatives that we had were New York and possibly Toronto. But being in Europe and focused on the East Med, London was the natural place for us. Also, understanding uh, the ENP sector uh, was very important for for us. Uh, the last four years, hasn't, we haven't seen a lot of activity uh, in the IPO or any activity in the IPO um, side of, of the business in the London Stock Exchange. And a lot of the investors uh, have moved specialists out of oil and gas into other areas. So it was a big challenge for us to bring specialists, but also generalist investors in uh, in the IPO, and we were successful to do that. And obviously, the market has rewarded us by uh, giving the amount of money we needed uh, for the equity of the project, but also with a share price that has performed uh, relatively well in the last few months since we listed. Sure thing. And uh, I mean, part of that, no doubt, is that this is a, another pretty strong year for oil prices. It, it, it's fair to say that you're not as geared to the oil price as some of your your peers in London are when you're looking at the long-term investment case. I'm I'm right in saying that because you have these long-term fixed-priced gas contracts in Israel. And uh, uh, and a is a company that has its business underpinned by long-term gas sales agreements. 75% of our business will be gas when we bring Karish and Danin on stream in uh, the first quarter of 2021. And these gas sales agreements have uh, hard floor prices and indexation that is uncapped, so we could see higher gas prices, but we have a hard floor that protects our revenues. We have uh, close to $12 billion of revenue secured through those gas sales agreements. So you're absolutely right to say that uh, this is a business that is insulated from uh, fluctuations of the oil price. Having said that, uh, we have 30 million barrels of uh, reserves in Israel, and uh, we have another 40 million barrels in Prinos and 10 million barrels. So we have a substantial oil exposure uh, to keep the upside in terms of, uh, of the oil price as well. So that, that was uh, one of the key concerns of investors when we went through the roadshow and tried to raise the funding. Investors were wanted to get back into the sector because the sentiment, I think, is coming back. But uh, they were looking for a story that was different, that was not reliant only on oil prices, but had a lot of protection, as we do, from the gas price, but retained the upside uh, of the oil price from the uh, oil production we have in Greece and we will have in Israel. One, one thing that uh, strikes me as interesting is that if, if you compare your listing with, with other recent um, IPOs in London, one of the priorities it seems to be that other investors have set is on is for cash generation. You, for the next three years, are going to be, I mean, obviously you do have cash generation and production in, in Greece, but you're going to be drawing down quite heavily on your uh, debt facilities. How do you um, balance the concerns of uh, investors who, who are going to be seeing you move increasingly into a, a net debt position between now and 2020, 2021? Well, we don't envisage us being in a, uh, as a corporate in a net debt position because we don't have any corporate debt. 
all our debt uh, is at the project level. So Israel, the Israeli project uh, is executed through a subsidiary called Energy in Israel, where we are partners with Kerogen. We have 70%. Kerogen has 30%. And all the debt is uh, at that uh, subsidiary level on a project finance basis without any recourse to the parent. The same applies to Greece, where we have a reserve-based lending facility that, uh, again, is uh, used to fund the Greek operations, but doesn't have any recourse to the parent. So as a corporate, we have uh, virtually no debt. Um, we have debt at the subsidiaries and at the project level. Now, to develop a $1.7 billion project, obviously you, with long-term gas contracts, um, leverage is of great use to investors because it uh, substantially improves project and equity returns, which was the reason why we wanted to raise project finance debt. And uh, we saw a lot of appetite uh, for this uh, piece of, of debt, both from the international market, but also from the local Israeli market, who through the syndication has taken a big piece of this debt. Uh, we envisage ourselves being uh, cash flow positive for the next four, uh, four, three, four years until we produce gas from Israel, because the Greek assets, uh, because we have a very low uh, operating break-even, which is below $20 a barrel, are very cash flow positive. Um, the fact that we have infrastructure that can handle 30,000 barrels a day uh, without uh, any further investment means that every barrel that we add to our production goes straight to the bottom line and improves cash flow and profitability. So this is a business that for the next three years will be, depending obviously on oil price, will be cash flow positive. Uh, obviously, cash flows will substantially increase when we bring the production from Israel on stream. But as I said, the fact that uh, all our debt is at the subsidiary level and there's no corporate debt gives us a lot of comfort that this is a very low leveraged business at uh, the corporate level. Um, so a big question I imagine those uh, debt providers had in, when, when they were organising the facility would have been on the the outlook for the Israeli gas market. And, and so... Obviously, it's it, the the projections are that it's going to grow massively, albeit it is it is still fairly nascent market in, in some ways. Just a couple of questions on on that point, Matthias. One, do you run the risk in some ways of geographic over concentration, and and what are the risks posed from potential competition? And and secondly, looking on a longer term horizon, so a sort of decade plus view of the of the Israeli gas market, we often hear about super major's strategic pivot to to gas, but is there not a replacement threat to gas uh, longer term as there as there is to oil and other uh, hydrocarbons uh, that we, we we talk of at the moment um, yeah two two totally separate issues the first one the outlook for the gas market in israel to start with i would say that our main business and the basic cash flows is all underpinned by the long-term gas contracts so we don't really have a risk of what the israeli gas market is going to do uh, in terms of the upside because that is what is the most interesting part of our business in Israel. Um, at the moment, the Israeli gas market consumes close to 10 BCM a year. And the government of Israel has started an initiative to completely gasify the economy. And the first moves they're doing is to shut down coal-fired power generation and replace it with gas-fired power generation. This will substantially improve or increase the demand for gas in the country. In addition, uh, they are doing all the right moves to bring... Um, electric vehicles, which are big users of electricity, obviously, and uh, the power generation is all done in Israel, and uh, moving also to use of CNG in uh, public transportation uh, and trying to improve the grid to bring gas to the, to the market. So the projection is that uh, the Israeli gas market will potentially double in size 
and uh, reach the 18 to 20 BCM level in the next decade. Electricity demand is uh, growing by a rate of about 3% a year in Israel, and that demands more gas-fired power plants, which will obviously um, supplement this, uh, this increased demand. So we do see an increasing gas market, and a market that is totally isolated from uh, the rest of the world. Israel uh, doesn't have any grid connection from an electricity perspective, so all the electricity has to be or is produced at the moment locally. So we do see substantially more um, gas demand in the country, and we also see export opportunities from Israel. There are major infrastructure projects that are being discussed. At the moment, there's a contract that... Uh, the Israelis have signed with uh, the Egyptians to sell to export gas to Egypt. There's a proposal that we have made to export gas to Cyprus. There's a major pipeline that is being discussed called the East Med Gas Pipeline that is being heavily supported by the European Union uh, to bring East Med Gas into Europe. And these are major infrastructure projects that will open up the market beyond Israel. So it's not just the increase of demand of Israel, it's also uh, the region that could be supplied from uh, Israel and the East Mediterranean gas. Uh, <clears throat> from our perspective, beyond the reserves we have in Karish and Tanin, we recently announced that we have five more blocks that we won in a tender in Israel that uh, contain 7.5 TCF of prospective resources signed off by our auditor, which is uh, Netherlands Sewell. And we have a lot more capacity on the infrastructure we're building because the FPSO that we have contracted uh, Technip to build for us has an 8 BCM capacity a year, of which only 4.2 is contracted, as I mentioned earlier. So we have the infrastructure, we have uh, the blocks and the resources, and we have a local market that is growing, and we have an international market that we can connect to through the infrastructure projects that are being developed as we speak. So we see a lot of upside uh, coming from uh, us being in Israel. Now, the second question about the long-term threat of, of gas, uh, yes, renewables are playing a bigger role continuously in this world, but um, still the world needs and will need a lot of stable electricity production from a clean source of energy, and this is gas. So our shift as an Aegean is to be in the gas market. We are a dedicated player uh, in the ENP sector of the East Mediterranean, so we think we are in the right spot at the right time to take advantage of all these opportunities, the new discoveries and the infrastructure projects that are being built to connect the East Med with the rest of the world and primarily with Europe. Excellent stuff. Sorry, I threw, I threw a lot of you there in one go, myself. Um, just on that point, I mean, the super majors' interest, particularly in, uh, in, in, in major gas projects, you would have thought makes you a potential takeover target. I know, I know we'd, we've talked about this before, but is your uh, uh, focus on Israel, is that a potential complicating factor to uh, a, a potential takeover premium that any investor might apply to you? Well, obviously, until now, there was uh, a limitation on companies that did business in Israel that couldn't do business in a lot of Arab countries. But this is a, a very fluid and dynamic environment and things continuously change. Um, I mentioned earlier that Israel is... Uh, discussing and has very close ties with Egypt to export gas. There are other countries that have very strong relationships with uh, Israel that didn't have relationships before. Uh, so I think the, the limitation is there, but when the market has been developed and when there are infrastructure projects that connect these major discoveries with the rest of the world, everybody will be looking 
at uh, opportunities in the region. So uh, I don't see it as a limiting factor in the longer term. Potentially, people that don't understand Israel and don't do business in Israel perceive the country as having a bigger geopolitical risk. But I think if you see the rating of the country that continuously improves from the international rating agencies, and if anybody visits Israel, you will see a tremendous economy that is growing. And we are certainly very comfortable to do business uh, in the country. So our target at the moment is to develop Karish and Tanin, to find more gas in the neighboring blocks that we want, to find more markets, both in Israel and uh, outside of Israel. And uh, obviously, we're continuously looking at M&A opportunities that are available to us uh, in the region. So we are focused on the growth of the business and obviously looking to uh, cooperate with any company that uh, is interested in entering this very exciting market. Matthias, you and your management team, how are you, how are you personally invested in the company? Always, I think always an important for potential investors to, that their uh, company management do have a sort of stake in, in the business as well. Alex, I think this was uh, probably the most important part of the success of our IPO. And um, I started this business, as I said, uh, 11 years ago in 2007. And uh, before the IPO, I was a 25% shareholder. Post-IPO with a dilution, I'm a 12.5% shareholder of Energium. So I'm very, very heavily invested uh, in this business and totally aligned as a shareholder and a manager of the business. Uh, with the other shareholders. And this was a very important factor for all shareholders or most of the shareholders that invest in the IPO, that uh, this is a unique situation where the senior management team, and the same applies for our uh, CFO and the rest of the the executive management team, they're very heavily invested in this business and uh, our life and future is um, very closely tied with the success of an AGM. So we are a very different proposition from many other companies. Uh, totally focused on the East Med, which makes a big difference. I think uh, companies of our size have to be focused with a management team that is totally aligned uh, with shareholders through uh, the investment we have in the business and uh, with a stable and protected downside, but uh, all the upside, uh, both from the oil and the gas business that we're running in this region. So it was a very different proposition, I think, that uh, brought this uh, IPO to be to become a success. Good stuff. Well, there you have it. So, energy and oil and gas. The ticker is ENOG uh, and listed in London. Um, Matthias, very many thanks for your time today. And to listen to more audio from the IC, go to our website or search for us on Acast, iTunes, or wherever you normally get your podcasts. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.